Ah, yes. As I used to say on my radio show, the dulcet tones of Joey Gore. This is Harold Weikert, and I'm your host for the podcast, Isaiah 5812. And that is Joey Gore playing the piano. Joey is uh, from Wilmington, North Carolina, and he is a director of the Wilmington Celebration Choir, um, a powerful, wonderful choir. And uh, this is an album that uh, Joey had recorded, uh, a piano, and it's called Quiet Times. And I appreciate Joey, and uh, this is a, a beautiful album. It brings such peace. But greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like I said, I'm Harold Weikert, and uh, I'm going to be your host. And I welcome you, and I hope this is the first of many times that we have to spend together. And like I said, the name of the podcast is uh, Isaiah 5812. And for those of you who may not be familiar with that scripture, um, I believe it applies to this day and time that we're living in. And the scripture reads, For those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. And I believe that we're in a time that we're experiencing a great breach uh, in our world. And the breach is that the enemy, Satan, I'm not afraid to call out his name, has breached the defensive walls of the church. And in this podcast, we're going to be taking a look at different ways that the breach has occurred. And what does the Word of God say about it? We're going to be taking a look at a few things like, where is God in our society today? What is the value of the Bible? What value does it hold in your life, my life, and in the world? And what are the lies that Satan is perpetuating onto the church? And the church, of course, being you and me. It's not a building. It is a, a, a people in relationship with the Almighty God. And we're going to be taking a look at that. We're going to be identifying some of the lies and the deceptions that Satan has brought against us and has convinced us um, that what we have believed up till now was a lie and that he has the truth. And we're going to be taking a, a close look at that. And there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to share with you that some of you may disagree with, either casually or maybe some violently. But we're going to be looking at the Word of God. And if you are like me, then you can confess that the Bible is the Spirit-inspired, infallibly written Word of God. Those that may argue against that point, my response to them is simply this. If I were God 
and who we understand God to be, or even if we were who he proposes that he is, why would I write a book or allow a book to be written by human hands that would misidentify me, that would bring vague meaning to what my heart is and what my mind is? And why would I give it a chance to be misunderstood? And I do not believe that the Bible is written in code where there are a lot of secret underlying meanings that we have to decode the Bible. I heard it said once that God is like you and me as fathers and parents. If we play hide and seek with our children, we don't find an impossible place for our children to find us. God will hide behind the sofa, but he'll always leave his foot stuck out to where we can find him. Because God wants to be revealed to us. God wants to be in relationship with us. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. And the proof in that is that there's nothing I can do to get into relationship with God. It's a humbling thought to think that the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, in all things visible and invisible, that he has the desire to be in relationship with me. Now, you may ask, why does that so surprising and seem so phenomenal to you, Harold? Well, it's a simple answer to that question. I know who I are. (laughs) I know who he wants to be in relationship with. And I'm sad to say, but if I were God, I don't know that I would want to be in relationship with me. And that makes it even more special. Because when God looks at you and me, he looks at us after we have been washed in the blood of his only begotten son. So when he looks at Harold Weikert, He's looking at me as pure and white as the freshly fallen snow. And to me, that is so humbling. That's nothing for me to brag about. Because to be loved by God passes my understanding. But yet he did. So, in response to that, we need, in order to have a life full that God has promised us, we need to know who he is. We need to understand why he wants to be in relationship with us. And we need to understand who we are going to be in relationship with. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, there's somebody that isn't going to like that. And that's Satan himself. Because you see, we've started off in the grips of Satan. 
because the scripture tells us in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're going to take a look at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, they set the tone for the rest of humanity when they disobeyed God's orders. And God took away from them their standing. Because you see, Adam was called to take care of the garden, to take care of all the plants and the animals and the fowl. But because he disobeyed God and he trusted his own understanding, he was escorted from the garden and fell out of favor with God. But an interesting point in that is that when God came looking for them in the garden and he said, Adam, where art thou? And when Adam and Eve presented themselves naked, God, even though they disobeyed him and God's heart was broken beyond anything that we can imagine, God reached down and began to create clothing for them to hide their nakedness. But there was still the the call that they had to pay the price for their disobedience. But in all of that, God still showed them grace and mercy by clothing them so that they would no longer be naked. And you know, the interesting thing was that they had no knowledge of being naked before they disobeyed God. And we're going to take a look from time to time, I'll bring it up, where we can see the reverberation, the ripples in the pond. Even today, it affects us. Even today, we can hear Satan say to us on a daily basis, Come on, Eve. It's only a fruit. It's good for you. Make you healthy. We'll be taking a look at all all of that. In the process of all this, I expect disagreement. I expect you to say, Harold, you're all wet. But then an expectation that I have would be that you would go to the Word and that you would seek out in the Word where you can prove me wrong biblically. Which leads me to two questions that I ask myself all the time and I would encourage you folks to to do the same. The first question is, Am I willing to admit that what I believe is wrong? And the second question to follow that is, if it can be proven to me biblically, am I willing to change what I believe? Now, the sad part of that is, a lot of people don't know what they believe. A man was walking down the street one Sunday morning and he approached this church. And the church was just leaving out from its morning services and 
there was this miner standing there. So the man goes up to the miner and he says, excuse me, sir, but may I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, what do you believe? The man looked at him and said, I believe what the church believes. The gentleman said, okay, fine. What does the church believe? The miner looked at him and said, the same thing I do. The gentleman says, that's, that's awesome, but pray tell, what do you and the church believe? The miner looked at him and said, the same thing. You see, we go around thinking and th- believing that we know what we believe, but in reality, we really don't. You know, I, I read the Word all the time, and every time I'll find something new in it. My wife and I were talking about a sermon that we heard over the Easter season. And if I were to recount to you the Last Supper, my memory of the Last Supper was that Jesus, he made the comment that one amongst you is going to betray me. And my recollection of it was that he announced to the whole group that he who dips his hand in the wine the same time I do is going to betray me. But when we read that scripture, I was totally shocked because what was written in scripture was not what I had been repeating for many, many years. Jesus, in fact, did not announce to the group who was going to betray him. But it does say in Scripture that Peter asked John, and John leaned over to Jesus and said, Is it I? Who is it? And Jesus told John, The one who dips his hand with me. And it was between Jesus and John. It wasn't with the whole group. And then, if you can imagine sitting around that table, Jesus dips the bread into wine, and Judas at the same time does it. And Jesus looks at Judah and says to Judah, what you must do, do quickly. See, I didn't remember it that way. And that brings a whole new meaning to this whole thing. It, it, it enlightens you. It brings an understanding. And we have to be careful when we repeat Scripture that we do it correctly. I just found that to be interesting. So we have to be willing to admit that what I'm believing right now can be wrong. But I want it proven to me biblically. And even then, we're not going to agree on what the Bible says. But that's where we need to come together. And we need to seek out the truth. Because here is a truth. This is an absolute. There is one God. There is one Spirit. There is one Savior, 
And there is one truth. There's only one. Now the question comes down to, how important is the truth to you? Well, if you turn on the television and if you look at the TV and the news, you're going to find out how important the truth is to you. Because what you're seeing out there in our culture and our society today and and in the world, this isn't what God had planned. Something totally different. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures that come to mind. But, you know, I sit and listen to all these people uh, diagnosing the problems of today and coming up with solutions and and. You know, I I keep wondering, okay, where's God? I never hear anybody mention God. Well, as soon as you mention God, everybody becomes defensive, you know, and they want to cancel you. But there's going to be a day come when I stand before the Lord, and trust me, brothers and sisters, That's the day I don't want to be canceled. That's the day I do not want to be canceled. There is an example of this in Numbers chapter 33. Israel is about to go into the promised land. And God gives them a warning. And let's see here. I'll start at at verse 50. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their molten images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and live in it. For I have given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your families. To the larger you shall give more inheritance. To the smaller you shall give less inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, that shall be his. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But now listen to this. Here's the warning. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land in which you live. And as I plan to do to them, so I will do to you. Now, does anybody have any further questions about why we can't find peace in the Middle East? Because Israel disobeyed. They didn't drive out the inhabitants. 
They let them live. They didn't tear down their high places and their, their images and their false gods. So that is now a prick in the eye and a thorn in the side of Israel. But God will not let Israel be destroyed. But it's not a happy time. Now, you can argue that that was for back then, but look at what's happening today. See, God's word is forever. It is from the first day to the last day. It never wavers. It never changes. It's always there. And it's true and it's faithful. So that's why we need to understand it. And that's why we need to have a teachable spirit and not be stiff-necked. When I look at our society today and the things that are going on in it, I'm telling you, folks, my heart is broken because this country is no longer the country that I grew up in. I'm 76 years old. I can remember the days when doors weren't locked. And you had no fear of people breaking in and taking your things. Now, you can't walk down the street without somebody wanting something you have. And the scary thing is they believe they have a right to take it. So we're going to be examining all this. We're going to be holding all this up against Scripture. And I believe that this Scripture is the spoken Word of God. And where you and I disagree, it may take some time, but we need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and ask for revelation because the church is supposed to be united. Years ago, I did a radio show and I happened to pass by this corner on the way to the radio station. And as I turned the corner, there were no less than three, possibly four churches within a hundred yards of each other. Now that can indicate four different gods that they're worshiping, but I believe it indicated four different opinions or four different prides that had been hurt. And instead of coming together and doing as scripture tells us to do, we just decided to go our own way and do our own thing. Well, we can't do that. Jesus tells a Samaritan woman that she, he said, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know. So now we have to come to an understanding of what do we know? Do we know God? Do we know God in his sovereignty? Do we know the God of Israel? Do we know the God that made the brush just break into burning? Do we know the God that separated the waters for Israel to pass through? Do we know the God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead? Do we know the God that can move mountains? Do we know? That's the question. So we have to take time to understand what it is that we believe. And it's no longer acceptable to say, I believe what the church believes. Because I got to 
know what the church believes. And a lot of times I disagree with the church or I disagree with a brother. But we need to sit down and we need to look at Scripture. And I'm going to tell you something. The hardest thing to do is give up my opinion. Because Satan is going to say to me, sure as God made little green apples, you're wrong. You're dumb. You're stupid. You don't know anything. You're not good enough to be a Christian. Back in 1984, shortly after I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was in a men's group, and there was this gentleman we called Elder John Hobbs. And he sat there and he said that just within the last week or so, he had, Jesus had brought him into a closer and deeper relationship. And when he said that, guilt fell all over me, just like a ton of bricks. And Satan came to me and he said, see, I told you, God, you're not a good enough Christian because you don't have a relationship like that. And I started to feeling all kinds of guilty. And then the Lord spoke to me. I'm trying to look it up here as I'm talking. He gave me a scripture. And it is in Deuteronomy 7.22. And it reads, The Lord your God will clear away those nations before you little by little. And you will not be able to put an end to them quickly, for the wild beasts will grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you, and you will throw them into great confusion and until they are destroyed. He will deliver their kings into your hands so that you will make their name perish from under heaven, and no man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. Now God said to me, Harold, I want you to take the word nation, the word nation, and I want you to put in there whatever it is that you're dealing with and read the word again. The Lord your God will clear away. In some translations it says drive out whatever that is that you're dealing with before you little by little you will not be able to put an end to them quickly. In some translations, it says it'll drive them out little by little, and you will not do it, be able to do it all at once. And God said, see, I'm giving you permission to be where you are. And we're going to drive these things out together. And we're going to do it a little bit at a time because if you did it all at once, you couldn't bear up under it. So I give you permission to be where you are today. So I'm passing that on to anybody out there that may be listening that's struggling in an area. God gives you permission to be where you are. But 
tomorrow, I don't think God expects you to be there. Even if it's a half a step forward. Because God says, we're going to do it little by little, not all at once. You can't handle it. I praise God if you wake up tomorrow and you have a fantastic miracle that you have a Damascus Road experience. That would be awesome. But God says he's going to do it a little bit at a time. We need to have a teachable spirit. We need to get beyond the simple matter of believing in God. And we need to begin to believe God. Because that's where it all lies. The word tells us that even the demons believe in God and shudder. But you see, we don't shudder. We just say, I believe in God. The real test of faith comes in believing in God. Well, I think I've come to the end of my time here today. And I, I pray that God has blessed you some, in some way wherever you need it. Father, I just pray that you take whatever the words were that I spoke today. And Lord, that you just minister them to whoever out there needs it. And Father, we just thank you for providing this opportunity to share your word, to seek after your heart, to know your mind, and to understand that the holy, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, desires to love me and desires to be in relationship with me. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us and to teach us all things. In Jesus' name. God bless everybody. I hope you tune in next time.